Yo, what up, what up, what up? Welcome back. I mean, welcome back. I'm back. We're finally back to be able to do stuff. Yo, we got a great show. Man, I missed y'all. I missed y'all. But before we get started, of course, let's hit it with this intro. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right? And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy. Yeah. It's up. It's not up. You know, that's the first time I played like professional. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And there's two Scottish guys and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Yo, what is really good? My name is Gift Gift Time A Baylor. If you don't know, and if you do, man, it is a pleasure to be able to talk and hear with you. I know it has been two months since we put our last podcast, almost three months since our last podcast. And of course, so much has gone on, namely the HBCU Rugby Classic went off. What an amazing event. It was so great to be able to see people, work with people. Great to be back in country for a little bit. You know, just be able to get to uh, put some faces to what had only been on internet. And of course, uh, you know, to finally see these HBCUs come together, be able to participate, these high schools be able to participate. Man, it was something. It was something to be beholden for me. I, it's always a pleasure. But before we get into that, of course, Please, y'all, I would need y'all to be able to subscribe to this on YouTube at Gift Time Rugby, or you can find us on, uh, or, or please follow us on any of your streaming devices. If you're just catching it in snips, go through. It doesn't matter whether it's Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify iHeartRadio, Amazon, it doesn't matter what it is, we're on it. So you go ahead, put it through the streaming device that you are most comfortable with, and yo, let's get this started because I need y'all to be part of this journey. We we got time now. We got time, and we got a great set of shows coming up in the future, and we got a great set of shows in the past. But most importantly, we got some amazing rugby news that's happening through, and I don't want you to miss any second of it. So thank you so much for taking the time, and let's jump right into it. Just starting off, my goodness, this weekend, this weekend we had the fight of the century. We had the fight that rang across the bowels. Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia went against each other, and uh, Javante Davis won. Tank Davis showed no mercy. But aside from that one, we had the next one, which was New York Iron Workers versus uh, Houston Sabercats. Sam Windsor drilled the penalty goal kick. And if you don't think this match means an awful lot to these two sides, take a look at what happened as we went to commercial. That is the head coach, Pote Human, on the pitch with one of the New York coaches there. And a swing and another swing, and my goodness, tempers absolutely boiling over here. Really are. I'm not sure what I didn't. I didn't see what happened no. to cause cause him to get so upset. But 
Now, I know a lot of people already know, but if you don't know, the two teams played each other this past weekend. You know, this was not a hot rivalry, honestly. Like, New York Ironworkers, defending champions, they kind of been weakened by injuries. Houston Sabercats, they're trying to, you know, get their positioning and, and get a chance to enter into the playoffs, make a run. But what was the focus was what happened while the plays were off. We know that fighting typically happens within rugby, but this was one that uh, definitely was down for the ages. So you had Pote Uman, the head coach for the Houston Sabercats, coming onto the field to tell off Ollie Richardson, the strength and conditioning coach for the New York Ironworkers. This is one where it looked like it was just a, a malicious act all the way through. If you take it from the perspective of just seeing the clip, you would think Pote Uman, a South African, uh, South African Sabercats head coach, coming onto the field, yelling, yelling, getting in the face of Ollie Richardson, then suddenly just slapping that man like he's Tina to his Ike. Slapping that man like it's Batman to Robin on a meme. Slapping that man like it's a baby trying to be woken up by the doctor to get that first cry out. And then from there, separation, and then, ah, pop, 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 pop. A bunch of missed punches, but punches ensue. Ollie Richardson breaking out, getting through, and then boom, going in after... Going in after Pote, um, Uman, and it would seem like Ollie Richardson was the person who was defending himself. Got a little out of control, but Pote Uman looked like the guy that was the aggressor. But if you open it up a little bit more, of course, you find out that Pote Uman was coming onto the field to defend his players because Ollie Richardson, during a water break, was talking mad, stupid, crazy-ish to the Sabercats players in the middle of the water break, Uman's not taking any of that ish, and then goes in and gets in front of him. Ollie Richardson chest bumps him and pushes him back, and that's when Pote open hand slaps him like he's doing like the slap contest needs to get on Spike TV with that ish, and then everything just kind of ensues from there. So you get these sides where it's just like, yo, what what do you take from this? For me. I'm not going to lie. First thing that came to mind was, thank God. Yes. Bring the entertainment. Let's go. Let's bring some attention. I mean, yeah, it's not the most great attention. But, yo, this is, as one person I know used to say, combat sports with a team. You know, this is this is a rough sport. So you want to see some action. And on top of that, you want to see passion. So passion from the coaches and the leaders, you know, it, it's something to be beholden. I do think it's something that you can build on. But at the same time, yo, you're two leaders. Not just two leaders, you're grown-ass men. And grown-ass men who are leaders of other men can't be losing their emotions like that. Can't be going crazy. And especially, you can't be striking people. And no matter whether open hand or closed hand. But the other thing is, yo, once the teams separate themselves, you got to stop it. Like, you can't be, like, throwing people out the way so you can go get your swing while missing. And every single time at that, too, which was kind of wild at that, Ollie Richardson, where apparently I saw online that he's supposed to be, like, an MMA guy. He's supposed to have some solid MMA, but those, those punches were not connecting, to be honest with you. But it was – it's wild. 
it's wild. Now, my opinion on the whole thing, after kind of sitting with it, I think it's very obvious that examples have to be made. Uh, I, you know, Uman and and Richardson definitely require suspension. Uman, a hundred percent, should be suspended for the rest of the season. That is just ridiculous. You, you you can't you can't do that. No matter how emotional, how heated you get, you can't open hand strike somebody. You gotta you gotta catch yourself a little bit. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Ollie Richardson, bruh. There was no need for him to even be there. Like what? Like when you realize it's a water break, and even if you look at the video, put him up. But if you look at the video, the people separating him, there's not a single New York iron worker that's there to be separated. You know why? Because they were on the other side of the field getting the water break. So if they're on the other side of the field getting the water break, what are you doing over here with the Sabercats? Like whose head are you trying to get into? You're not getting into anybody's head. So to put that into perspective, you're kind of making yourself the aggressor. And then on top of that, whenever you guys were separated and in a position to just be able to walk away, you went through trying through threw the players off and boom, took it out. Like it's lucky that it didn't increase into becoming like a full-fledged brawl. Because you know the rule is, you know, if your team or one of your guys get it in and more people jump in, yo, you gotta jump in and you know take care of your people. That's teamwork. And you know, thankfully, the iron workers were too far away to be able to make the immediate reaction to go in and start the brawl that would have ensued in basically any other situation. Uh, but you you can't be in that position. So it, for me, you know, Oman 100% suspended the rest of the season. Richardson, while this man is one of the most qualified strength and conditioning coaches in rugby, man's been all over the world working with the Crusaders, working in South Africa, working in England. Like, this man has been everywhere. But he's probably the grunt that has to take the biggest amount of damage. Uh, and it's not about being fair. Sometimes it's it's just you need to understand where your place is in this whole situation. That's kind of the uh, suckiness of professional sports. You know, I, I'm one that I thoroughly believe that, that you know, action makes interest – Drama makes reaction. Reaction makes eyeballs. And it this has certainly done it. But it also has consequences. It's also very unprofessional. It's bad for investors. And uh, it, it hopefully rallies the fans, but it's bad for casual fandom in and of itself. But in terms of the punishment, yo, I don't know if Ollie Richardson should be allowed to work in the MLR anymore. Now, I don't know how much that means in terms of the world scale, but... I think that would be the punishment. Like, you were part of the aggression, you created the second bout, and you got to be out. And on top of that, you're not a major staffer. Like, no offense, but strength and conditioning coaches are a dime a dozen. Regardless of wherever your positionings were, it's strength and conditioning coaches a dime a dozen, which makes you incredibly expendable in, in terms of the hierarchy. Not to say they don't have value. They have extreme value. Obviously, that's your health. That's keeping your the players' bodies in check. That's making sure that the injuries stay low while doing the right exercises. But you can find those. Like, that is a position that has people always ready to go in that because there's a certain framework, even despite the sport. And honestly, as a result, this is the one that takes the biggest grunt. Now, I don't want to... I don't want to just be me, you know, where it's just just on me alone to say something. So I had put this up on Instagram. You guys can go uh, at Rugby Swag Show or at Gift Time Rugby. 
But I put it on, and uh, I wanted to see some other people's opinions on what they thought on this situation. So I asked the question, you know, what a wild weekend. Uh, Houston Sabercats got busy this weekend, super unprofessional, but I mean, is this a level of passion that we would need to see more often? Not the results, but the flair. What's your thoughts? Here's what some of the responses were. As a sideline person who has had to manage this type of behavior, no thank you. We do not need more, and it is wildly disruptive to the game. Yo, she's not wrong. This is Jessica Malandine. Uh, she's not wrong. It, it, it's definitely disruptive. It messes up the rhythm of the game. I think the big advantage that came out of this is, you know, Uman making that slap, at least the Sabercats won. Because if you got the slap and you got punched and then you lost the game, like, bro, that's, ah, ah, can't do that. Ah, uh, you gotta you you gotta step down just on that one, but you won the game. But in terms of that, I, I do agree just with Jessica. You know, like the sidelines get really disrupted; it throws off the flow of the game. Uh, Bar- Barnfire Killer said, "Hard to coach grown men if you can't control your emotions." Can't argue that point, man. That is real stuff. That is real real stuff right there. Like I, it's it, it's it's an interesting, especially in a game that requires aggression. You know, you got you to keep yourself together. Uh, Slow and Steady said, uh, <laughs> I like that. New York coach instigated in the Houston huddle, which we talked about. Not, not really a point, but it's a point made. He who started it didn't finish it and should probably bear the greatest amount of consequences. Um, Arnie Sib said, I hope they don't make it a big deal. A fine, maybe one game suspension. I do know that the MLR said MRL, but I, I think they definitely meant MLR. Can go overboard with their punishment. Yeah, I mean, see, I, I know for us, we don't think it's maybe too big of a deal because of the fact that you know, again, fights have are not uncommon within the history of rugby, especially whenever it's rivalry games. I think the issue is, and one of my friends said it, was when and where it was happening. If this was on the field of play, you know, and this was between two players, the 15 against 15 on that field of play, that makes sense because it's within the game of the action. It's still not uh, condonable, but at least the people that are participating are the ones that have to be on the field. There's almost a hallowed ground situation that goes with it. Shout out Michael Feely. But whenever you're a coach who's coming on to who's coming on to the pitch, who's during an off time whenever the game's not happening, who has no reason to be there, you know, sometimes you gotta be you gotta set an example. You gotta set an example. You know. Um Letharis said, uh no, this is club-level antics, which is why professional rugby in the U.S. barely gets respect. It almost feels like table tennis gets more respect than rugby. I agree with the factor that it's very club-level antics. I agree that rugby doesn't have the highest amount of... I don't think it's respect. I actually disagree. I think rugby is very well-respected in the U.S. It's just not very well-known 
in the U.S. and it doesn't grow. And so in terms of like table tennis, table tennis is just a far more well-known sport that is more commonly played within a specific group of people and has had more visibility. So more people know and hence give it more attention. But I do think that the fact that it is some club level antics is something to be considered. It, it, you're professionals, you know, you really getting paid. I mean, we're on the aspect to try and get more people paid over time, whether D2, professional, D1, club, college, whatever it is. But, you know, there comes requirements that go with it. So I, I do feel that. I do feel that. Um, Penzamine said, that was shit. Coaches do not make a song and dance in the middle of a match. I, again, that's real. Like, yo, it's not about you. Your job is to direct the players. The players do the work on the field. And if it becomes overcrowded, then, you know, you come in, but you want to control the actions. If you can't control yourself, can't control the actions. Thank you to the guy, everyone who responded on that. But, yeah, like, that's – it's real. You've had a little bit of time to be able to think about it. What's your thoughts on it if you get a chance? Hit us up in the DMs uh, on Gift Time Rugby or Rugby Swag Show dot, uh, on Instagram. Uh, or if you're on Twitter, definitely hit us up at gift time rugby let's hear what the thoughts are because this is one of those where it's it's different shout out to my boy uh jbl who was like yo you should be replaying this on a regular man that brings attention brings national notoriety and then build off of that even if it's a negative it can be a positive if you swing it right you know but there is one thing that was a negative and i think the slowness of mlr uh sending a uh uh non-condoning response almost immediately, at least a day after the situation had. Should have been there in the morning. Didn't get there until Tuesday. That's, that's not good. You got to be faster than that. If you want to investigate, you can investigate, but you need to put out the letter for your own liability and PR first and then set everything into motion. But let me know what your thoughts are. Hey everybody, this is just the Bray Train sitting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. Off to KL, Kuala Lumpur. Gift, where are we? We're in Phoenix! Oh, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, center! Is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. We're out here. We're running out of energy. We're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet, at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, watch the full adventure 
at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. Well, sticking with MLR in this, you know, we got to give a little bit of interest to what's going down in Miami. Yo, big shout out. A lot of things seem to be happening, but mainly we're going to be talking about my, the my. A lot of things are happening, but mainly let's talk about the Miami Sharks. They finally got a coach. This thing's becoming really weird, real. Mercado leaving. Mercado Livre is really starting to take its place over in Miami. The Miami Sharks are starting to come into place. They've already signed their head coach, who is uh, who is Jose. They already signed their head coach, Jose Palinka, out of Argentina. Shockers. Uh, and they already got another Argentinian player, uh, Tomas. Uh, Tomas Cube, who is a scrum half from Argentina. This is going to be an Argentina side. This is going to be Argentina side part two. They already did it. They got the Jaguars. They got Salkinum. They got Dogos. They already, they're like, oh, we can't do this for Super Rugby anymore. So let's take it up to the MLR and just basically ship the same guys over there. Yo, I, I, hey, shout out to Argentina. You got no money, but you have the ability to spread around like wildfire, man. Kudos. Kudos. Um, but... Yo, I, it's, it's good to see the development happening. I'm really interested to see how they're going to engage with the community because that, as much as these signings are big, it's a community that's going to make the difference. In Miami, Miami is not, ironically, a great sports town for sports that people don't connect with. Basketball's always felt it unless the heats are good. Is good. The Miami Marlins are completely disliked, despite the fact that you had Cubans. You would think the baseball connection would have worked, but the Marlins are not paid attention to at all. The Dolphins are here and there, just but that's the NFL. So there is always going to be like a sold out stadium for the NFL. That's just you know in it. So with rugby, you know, entering in rugby is not a really grandiose sport within the Latin American community, but there's so much potential for being able to have that connection, similar to what uh, Atlanta's MLR team, uh, MLS team did, um, and being this like conduit for all the transports to be able to get behind because Atlanta is such a uh, transient city that nobody's really from there. So people like the Falcons and everybody get hit because they have such legacy. This could be, in, but the Atlanta MLS team has 70,000 people there on a regular basis because everybody feels connected to it because they were there at the beginning. This could be the same thing with the Miami Sharks, but it really is going to depend. Yo, how are you going to be able to connect in? How, what is going to be your message? What is the attitude that you're going to be bringing in? And that's why I'm interested even with the number of Argentinians that are going to be a part of it, are you just creating an Argentinian U.S. side or are you trying to create a side that is going to be representative of that city? Because that is a swag level that they are going to need to rise up on. Yo, they got to get themselves right. They got to get themselves right. What's your thing? I want to know from the Miami people, all those South Florida people out there, like, what's your thoughts? Like, I get that, you know, there's an excitement of an MLR team because Miami, to, uh, Florida tends to get kind of pushed to the side when it comes to the development of rugby. They got a lot of rugby happening there, but because they're so far from the rest of the U.S., they don't really always transit up. And so they stay isolated because they got the space and the room to do it. But with the Sharks, I want to know what it is because that means that more people are going to be heading down to watch games whenever those competitions happen.
Let's talk about what's going on in college rugby. So first and foremost, yo, we have the College Rugby uh, Associ- America's Association 15th Championship happening May 7th and 8th. That's two weeks from now. We have the College Rugby, Collegiate Rugby Championship 7th happening this weekend, 28th through 30th in Washington, D.C. Man, the reason why I talk about this is not, you know, every year there's great teams being a part of it, but we got history making, especially as an HBCU uh, uh, promoter, HBCU rugby uh, uh, elevator supporter, aficionado, whatever you want to call it. Man, we got two HBCUs that are in there. Howard University. Yo, need a big big shout-out to Howard University. And I'm going to talk about it more whenever we go to the HBCU Rugby Classic recap. But, man, shout-out to both Howard men and Howard women because they are some beasts changing up those standards that we have. You know, we've had a great elevation, Morehouse and Prairie View A&M that have been holding down, and nobody understands the difficulties of being able to recruit and consistently keep the team on campus, especially when you don't always have a lot of support like Morehouse does. Shout out to Prairie View A&M having a little bit more support and keeping solid teams. But Howard University, they're doing things in a way that is pushing the boundaries. What I mean is Howard University women won their East Regional D2 uh, championships, blowing out teams in um, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, 46-0, to zero, and Appalachian State, 43-26. to 26. And if you guys don't know, like, those are actually legitimately good teams in the D2 space. They have constantly been in the playoffs every single year, especially Appalachian State that has made it to national championships, have made it to deep into the nationals playoffs. But this is one where this Howard University team that's been around for a year and a half, shout out to Catherine Aversano, the coach, shout out to Takunda Rosicki, the uh, captain and uh, founder for the uh, initial founder for this team. They have done something. They completely cleared out Maryland. They perfected Maryland. They said, eh, eh, you're not playing with us. And to see that they're about to be international title contention this early, and also the fact that they may possibly be in the contention of being the first, let me repeat that, the first in 156 years, in 156 years, the first HBC uh, Howard University women's team to make a national championship and win it would be mind-blowing, mind-blowing. On the other side of it, Howard men. This is a team, another team, about a year and a half. They've been slowly building up. This year they've been working on sevens. Came into the HBC Rugby Classic as a host. Took time to be able to help and work and create it. But in this moment, they've been steadily making their marks throughout the MARC division. And to know that they, as a hometown favorite, because the CRCs are taking place in D.C., like I said earlier, they ended up being able to be the eighth seed in the men's premier sevens division, taking on Wheeling, which is a tough team. It's a tough team. But I will tell you this. Don't underestimate Howard University men. Those are some guys that are very quick. They are much stronger than they look. And they will get through your defenses far easier than you think they will. 
Like, they are not one to be played with. Shout out to Daniel Davalier, the captain, HBC Rugby Classic, uh, MVP, Howard Men's Rugby, HBC Rugby Classic champs. Like, this is a legitimate team that could pull some upsets. They'll definitely surprise some people, and it'll be great that they'll have a center stage in that. It is something to do. So shout out to NCR for getting them in. But more importantly, shout out to... Uh, Howard University men for just working their asses off to be able to get there. Like, that is just legit. I just get, get the round of applause to the Howard rugby program as a whole. Man, they're setting a standard that we're trying to be able to create and replicate for the rest of uh, the other HBCUs that are rugby capable. But even within the playoff set, you know, want to talk. It's not really much to talk because I just I don't have details like that. I'm I'm not I'm not the greatest analyst. I just here to give the opinion. But you know the uh, CRAA Division One Championships, uh, Navy Rugby taking on Cal Berkeley. Talk about a matchup that we hadn't been able to see for a long time. In the sense that there's been a changeup. For how long have we been getting Lindenwood versus Life? Lindenwood versus Life. Lindenwood versus Life. I feel like it was basically for like seven years straight that we got Lindenwood versus life. And in the last two years post-COVID, you know, we got last year, well, not last two years post-COVID, but yeah, yeah, last two years post-COVID. Last year we had Army coming out of nowhere, a team that's always been strong. They've always been strong, but they've somehow just never been able to get over the hump of being a title contender. Army comes on strong, boom, is able to uh, get their national championship. Shout out, uh, to, to the coaches out there, uh, but able to get their championship, first championship for Army. Great setup. What happens, this is why we need rivalries. What happens the following year? Navy says, bet, I see you. Moves Navy Rugby, run by Gavin McKee, McGee, McKee up to varsity. I'm sure they'll say they've been planning it all along, but hey, look, we know that the branches got their rivalries. Army versus Navy, Air Force versus everyone, Marines versus <laughs> Marines versus Air Force, <laughs> and then Coast Guard, you exist. You, you exist. Alongside with Space Force. Stay strong. <laughs> but Navy moves up. Now, look at them. Came through a close Battle against Lindenwood University. Close battle against Lindenwood to get over to take on Cal Berkeley. And I'll say this. This is going to be controversial. You know, somebody might say something, and I'm okay with it. I'm going to consider whatever happens. If Cal Berkeley wins this, I'm going to consider this maybe their first legitimate national championship. Stop. Wait. What? 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 They've got like... 15 national championships going back into like 1920-something. Why would this be it? You know why? You know why? Because in all those other situations, I put it up there with, if you guys know uh, University of Alabama football and the amount of championships that they claim, UCLA basketball, the amount of championships they claim, those are times whenever the competition was just weak. You can say, well, they can only do what they can do against the best. Of course. But now we're talking about modern era, all right? There's a past, and now we got modern era. And I'm going to say the same thing for Cal Berkeley because since the rise of Life University, of Lindenwood University, the rise of uh, St. Mary's and BYU before they age-graded BYU out and, you know, a lot of those 28- and 29-year-olds are no longer able to play for them, you know, 
Cal Berkeley obviously was was crushing people. They were crushing. They were the best team. They were a varsity team, self-built. They're basically the blueprint for how to be able to build a rugby pro. Absolutely no doubt. They are the blueprint. But even in that early days, like we're talking about, let's take it up to 2010s. The 2010s, the main competition they had was in the um, uh, the uh, the Super Cup, the uh, Super Cup or whatever it was called, uh, that they had where it was like a select amount of sides, but it was never your like best, best side. I mean, you got an Arkansas State here and there, but like, again, they didn't go against the Lindenwoods, the Life Universities. They didn't really go about to St. Mary's and all that. They had like their own independent division and they went into that before that thing kind of dismantled all across the board. So them winning those championships, regardless of what you say, if you're not, if you're, there's very few great college rugby teams that are great college rugby programs at this point. And if you're not going against any of them, that's a problem in my opinion. Like no offense to those that they beat, but it, it's a problem. That's, that's where you go through. So in this situation where they got through that gate, man, big shout outs to Cal Berkeley to make it there, but big shout outs to Navy, because I think this is one of the first time Navy has been in the national championships. If I recall correctly. And you know, they have been, strikingly dominant, strikingly dominant. They are a precise team, and it's nice to see them make it over the hump. So I'm looking forward to May 7th for that one. And then for the women's D1 select side, of course, who is it? Lindenwood and Life University. I This one I'm actually now I, – I don't even think either of the original coaches, Billy – uh, Nicholas and uh, Rosalind Shaw are no longer the coaches. This this programs are basically just running on their own. I, this is I. We do need to work on building up more women's rugby because I need to see these two behemoths kind of fall. Because at this point, I think Lindenwood might have the overall results from the women's side uh, in terms of the win loss ratio over the course of the last 10 years. And, you know, it's shot up because those are immaculately made programs by immaculate people. Uh, those are two of my peoples, Rosalind Chow and and uh, Rosalind Chow and, and, and Billy Nicholas. Those are my people. But I need some other programs to come and disrupt this. Like, the men's D1 now has become interesting because it's not Lindenwood and Life University. The fact that neither of those teams are in there is amazing, and it makes it worth watching all over again. So... Uh, I, I need some women's team to disrupt it. Let's let's make this happen, man. Howard University women, over the next three years, let's go get this. All right? D1 and up. But it's going to be an exciting rugby next two weeks. National The Collegiate Rugby Champions is back. Uh, you guys can catch it on the Rugby Network and YouTube, if I remember correctly. Uh, and definitely I'm going to be looking out for Howard men. And shout out to the rest of the teams that are on there. It's going to be great. It's, you know. 110 teams, 300 matches, eight divisions, men and women, uh, uh, you know, five fields, three days, great setup. Shout out to NCR and them and their support and all that good stuff. Hey, guys, I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you about the Rugby Outlet Mall. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about this many times in the show before, typically in the intro, but I wanted to really make sure to get your focus on it because the Rugby Outlet Mall is not just the commerce hub for Gift Time Rugby, but it is an area where we want to be able to create the movement and the symbolic elements that add to the movement. 
The Rugby Outlet Mall is here so that we can have something that not just to have for the field, but more importantly to be able to have as a regular lifestyle. Because as you know, rugby is not just a sport. It's a whole way of life. It is a movement. And we have everything moving from cultural to your pop culture items like our Rugby Zon shirts or and sweaters as well as representing for the culture as we continue to develop the HBCU Rugby Classic. And we want to continue to support these things because it only grows the sport overall. We are continually growing to be able to make sure that we are connecting with you on a personal level as well as a rugby level. And for you guys that are listening to the podcast and listening to this show, want to let you know that you are going to get 20% off all gear that is under the category of Gift Time Rugby Network and the HBCU Rugby Classic. That is basically the entire store. And all you need to use is promo code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X RUGBY. And with that, you guys will get 20% off any clothing that is in the store as of right now. And of course, we're always building up more and more each time. But we want to make sure that you are able to symbolize your rugby faithfulness to the rest of the world and let them know that there is an opportunity to be able to develop, to grow, and to get better each and every time in this sport. So guys, I hope you guys check it out. Definitely go and you guys can go to www.rugbyoutletmall.com. That is Rugby Outlet Mall. Dot com. Guys, you're not going to want to miss one bit of this. Now let's get back to it. Lastly, I want to talk about the HBCU Rugby Classic. Man, that was this was a great but also one of the toughest events that I have ever had to put together. But I got to first and foremost say thank you to the t- host, uh, Howard Rugby Men, um, them and their trainers their managers just made this thing go you know shout out to howard university and a beautiful field that we got to play on um great usage of the sound systems um you know shout out to the video production team we're still working on getting our video back because this is what part of the the you know process of being an independent promoter for this kind of stuff you know but they did a great job especially in a pinch uh, of being able to get the film. Uh, this is a lot of stress. Um, shout out to the sponsors that were on this. You know, Shihiado, Young Glory, Old Glory, um, you know, uh, Citizen Sports Rugby, A-Stat, uh, with great stats. You can catch them on uh, hbcrugbyclassic.com. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jamaica Tourist Board, uh, U.S. Uh, Federal Credit, USPS Federal Credit Union, um, Davalier Law Group, My Life Shirts, like created the shirts for the referees. Um, man, it was a lot of people putting to work. Shout out to the teams. Man, you know, University of Maine Farmington was the women's team that we came in with uh, to be able to compete against Howard Women. And the battle that they had to get, the obstacles they had to get to make it happen, especially that they're not an HBCU team. And they are very obscure, and <clears throat> not much is known about them, but they are feisty. And they they came to play. Man, big shout-outs to them. Shout-outs to Howard Rugby Women. Uh, there was a lot of confusion that happened during this uh, um, event. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more. 
but the, the patience and, and ability to work with us, you know, and anybody could have quit and just left at that point, but I'm really glad that they stuck through. Um, Howard University Rugby Men, uh, of course. Uh, big shout out to Morehouse College. Man, the, bringing the return. There's one thing that can always be sure that there's always been a HBCU team that was there from the very beginning that was there last time, 2021. It's been two years since my last HBCU Rugby Classic. Um, and then before that, it was two years before that because of the pandemic. But, man, Morehouse really made an effort to get up there. And they came in and they came to play. Uh, and it's hard. Like, people don't realize, like, when they were putting this event, obviously the travel is is one thing. But a lot of these teams, they got numbers issues. You know, Morehouse doesn't get a great amount of support from the university itself. So they really built on community, which, I mean, shout out to the Atlanta community who helped them uh, in the pinch and the players. Uh, they got a great set of guys that are going to be playing, that are playing for them. So I look forward to seeing more of them as the future comes. But they made it up at the last second, able to get it all together. You know, I, I, it was huge appreciation to them. And, of course, to the high school teams. First off, you know, shout out to Withrow High School out of Cincinnati. First time being there at the HBCU Rugby Classic. Like, you know, they them some boys. What? Those are some players. Some of the coolest guys I've gotten to meet, man. You know, shout out to Nathan Myers. You put together a great team, a great set of young men over there. Also, shout out to Crystal Ray. And I got to give them extra, extra shout out because they brought their boys and girls team uh, for high school. And unfortunately, we weren't able to have the girls side because the teams that we wanted to have a part of it just were unable to, to make it out. So, you know, for the girls to come out to still support the boys. Uh, and, and as a result, you know, I, this is why I love rugby where everybody gets to work together. The Crystal Ray girls got a chance to play a little touch with uh, the University of Maine Farmington girls. They got to connect with the Howard University women. I'm sorry, the University of Maine Farmington women. They got to connect with the Howard University women um, and really got to still engage in the event and, you know, be our, you know, default winners for the HBCU Rugby Classic girls division, uh, girls high school division. But, man, those those are some players Man, I cannot wait to bring more people together and be able to do this. Spring break with the bane of our existence up there, or else we would have had probably more more girls' high school teams at that. But, you know, it is what it is sometimes, and you live and you learn. It's not something that makes me change a date, but it allows me to be a little bit more aware because this is a learning process as well, too. Um, you know, but to, to, to get into the game, um, you know, the, these were great games. You know, our Friday was a little chaotic. We were trying to do a setup where we would intro and then do a little bit of rugby, but it was going to be like, you know, skills and bring people together to understand it. And it was a little messy. I don't think it was the greatest for the audience. And then, of course, uh, our scheduling and communication with the teams got messed. So we didn't end up having any rugby on Friday. Uh, but we had touch. We, we didn't have tackle rugby. We had a great touch one with all the uh, the teams, the the men's college um morehouse and uh morehouse and um uh howard university men uh alongside the uh withrow uh high school boys playing together and it was great play 
it was great intense play, great warm up. The Howard University women we didn't weren't able to get the team up on time on on Friday, so they did a little something for the crowd. And then of course we had some great performances from our stroll show, which were phenomenal to see. Like the synchronization, the choreography, like it was something. It was really cool to be able to watch. Saturday, that was a day. All right, you know we had. Our men's side, and and really, it was just all shrunken in because we had actually initially started off with a twelve to almost twelve to eight schedule, and we ended up getting pushed back. And same with Friday, we were supposed to start at five, got pushed back until six, seven o'clock because the football team was on the field. Uh, Saturday, the football team was on the field doing spring training, but we had scheduled for five. They were off by four. We were able to kind of get things kicked off. And, man, we had these four major games. So the setup that we had was because there was two and two on each team, the first game we played was a game to be able to set up who had home field advantage, quote, quote, first to flip on the coin flip for the championship game. So basically like a semifinal for the lead up to the advantage of the final. Withrow High School took it over first. Crystal Ray boys, they came with it. They they played hard to the very end. Withrow High School is a championship team. You know, that is a championship team probably in any other rugby sense. They are powerful. They are fast, fluid, great passing. Crystal Ray was fluid with their movement. It's an early program, and if this is where they're starting at early, man, the sky's the limit, man. That needs to be supported in Philadelphia. Uh, next, we had Morehouse men versus uh, Howard University men. This one was tight. I think this might have been one of the toughest games that Howard University had because they've been cleaning out through Mark, through the Sevens uh, tournament. Morehouse came because they're, they are technically the defending champions. So 2021 was kind of a, an interesting post-COVID attempt. Shout out to Roots Rugby, you know, Louisiana Lanyap, Prairie View A&M, Dallas Rugby, MICR. Shout out to them making it through. But that was kind of like a huge, like, just, it was put together with spit and, and, and elbow grease, you know. So we didn't technically, Roots Rugby was technically the winner for 2021. But collegiately, Morehouse College was has been the previous champion uh, for the collegiate side altogether. So they came in with an intent to make up for missing 2021 and to try and get their championship back. So that first game, man, that was intense. 15-10 finish. Man, Morehouse came with it to take that first game. Oh, so good. So good. Had a little bit of a break period. Withrow College come through, completely goes through, wins their 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 outcome 46 to 0. You know, really great performances by the teams and the players. Can't say anything uh negative about it, man. Everybody was peaceful, man. And shout out to the refs, man. Shout out to 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 all of them and the work they did and just coming out. It meant the absolute most. This stuff is it's work. It's work and it's expensive. But we were able to get them down we got to the men's versus uh, uh, men's Morehouse uh, men's game again. We also had a sevens match for uh, um, University of Maine Farmington versus Howard Women. Just kind of a warm up setup. Howard Women showed up. <laughs> they showed up. You know, it was it was a good one, but it was a warm up for Sunday. 
Howard Mann versus Morehouse to the actual championship game. This was a defensive onslaught. Just nobody could get the ball past the five. Like you got, they couldn't get it over the line. You got it to the edge, penalties. Got it back, penalties. Man, it was it was a tough one to be able to see uh, in terms of the play, but it was exciting. Man, it was anybody's game. Shout out to Daniel Davalier. Literally in the last two seconds of the game, last two seconds of the game, goes over. Get it in for the corner try. Score 5-0. Game's over. New champion. We had Saturday night, Howard University men with Daniel Davalier as the MVP, the most uh, player of the match, receiving the Ram Eddings player of the match award. Howard University men receiving the Phaedra S. Knight HBCU Rugby 2023 HBCU Rugby Classic Championship. And, of course, Withrow High School player of the match, Tony Mack. Man had so many... I think he had five tries on, on the game. Humble, dope-ass kid. Uh, was able to do some damage. Withrow receiving the Adrian Snyder HBC Rugby Classic High School Trophy. Man, I, it was it was great. And it was what you guys don't even know was it was probably one of the windiest. It was like hurricane windy uh, in D.C. on Saturday night, April 1st. Hurricane windy. What? My goodness. Like, and it didn't rain. It was just cold and windy and, like, move your body windy. So to play through that was impressive. Impressive. And you'd think, oh, that was going to be the best match for the day. Nope. Nope. Man, we kick it up you know, to uh, a Sunday. Complete opposite kind of day. Bright, sunny, blue skies, clouds, almost cloudless, no wind. Perfect day for rugby. Man, Howard University women versus University of Maine Farmington. Man, they were ready for this. First game, Howard University women. This is one, like I said, sets up to get the home field advantage. Howard University women came out strong. Big runs. Uh, Got to shout out Cam Holiday. Uh, because she's a tackle breaker. She long stride, strong bodies, able to get low. Like, hey man, USA national U twenties. Y'all, y'all need to pay attention to her. Like, she's somebody that needs to be watched. That is a lot of potential inside that woman. But they broke it. Twenty six thirteen final. Able to get it over to the you know next side. You know Howard University women get the the the. Home field advantage, again, <laughs> right? Second game, second game. This is where it was. Probably one of the most exciting games. University of Maine Farmington comes out strong, scores first, up seven zero. Ooh, do it, does it again, up fourteen zero. Howard University scores, man. They match it up fourteen, not match it up. They get it up fourteen seven in one score game. I think went into halftime with that. Right? No, no. Went into halftime 21-7. Next half. Man, Howard University pops it up. Scores two. Ties up the game. It's 21-21. Man, it's getting in there. They're going at it for another 10, 15 minutes because we're playing a one-hour 15s match. So, you know, 30 and 30. University of Maine Farmington scores 28-21. Howard University says, say less, goes through, scores 
2020. We got, uh, what was it? It was like a minute, a minute 30 remaining in the game. Bro, both these teams, they stay fighting for position. University of Maine, Howard University gets the ball back. They're driving down the field, get to just about the, uh, uh, what is it? They get to just about the mid yard inside their territory, uh, inside uh, universe. No, what was it? I'm getting it all messed up. Man, you, you get so much perspective. It was, yeah, no, University of Maine Farmington had the ball. No. It was Howard University. Howard University has the ball. They're inside their own territory, driving it up. They're driving it slowly, slowly, trying to get the clock, you know, try and get through, get that, just to get the points. One pass caught by Aaron Buckland in midair, able to get through, man, in for the score, 31-28. Five seconds remaining on the clock. They get make the extra point. No, they missed the extra. They missed the, missed the extra. Uh, it goes back to how uh, University of Maine Farmington and kicked out, and it's kicked out. <sighs> University of Maine Farmington takes the win in a close matchup. Man, this was it was so great. I can't wait to get the footage out. Can't wait to get the footage out, man. It was so great. These teams played hard, man. Spectators, they were great. You know, I appreciate every one of them to coming. Uh, oh, man, I, I was so so happy. It was weird to have a non-HBCU team playing and winning it all, but it was dope. You know, Allie Banks, who is the captain, uh, who is not the captain, uh, who was the player of the match, uh, my contact with University of Maine Farmington, uh, she was – spectacular and uh it was great man it was it was so great to see the energy to feel it through even through the chaos you know we we managed to push it out and uh nah it was it was it was amazing it was amazing you know a lot a lot went into it and uh you know uh and you know shout out to the you know uh the the rs foundation they helped in a huge pinch that we had because, as I say, this stuff is expensive. And when it comes to event coordinating, man, there's reasons why there's teams to this. And, uh, you know, I it, it, and, and, and especially backings. And you work really hard to get it, but, you know, it's not always, not always to the amount that it was. So um, to be able to get what we got and the amount of people from the community to help, RS Foundation, uh, Davalier Group, Shihiato, and all our sponsors and everybody who put their stuff together, um, man, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. I I I couldn't be uh, I couldn't be happier with what the outcomes were and and what it was. And I look forward to what next year will bring. Which, you know, where are we starting from now? You know, is the next thing back in. Back in Brazil, you know, getting ready to plan, and and you got, we got to find those, got to find those 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 money makers. But I, I I can promise this that it only is going to keep getting better and better and better, and I will keep talking it up, and it I will not be falling back. It'd be nice to actually be able to just work on it straight uh, without distractions, but 
Um, there's still a lot that we still got to get done. There's, there's still payments that have to be made. Uh, and, and, you know, that becomes a personal I- issue. But um, if you guys want to be able to help, definitely can go and get merch from uh, the Rugby Outlet Mall. Um, every little bit helps. Allow us, allow me to be able to, you know, take care of those things so that we can get it, make sure everybody who participated is 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 um, satisfied, and then we can, you know, really start setting things off for the next level. But, uh, man, it was it was really, really good. You know, doing it in D.C. was a, definitely an eye-opener. Um, very different than doing it in Louisiana. Um, a different version of visibility uh, and access. Uh, still a distance from everywhere, uh, you know, but it, it was good to be able to... Uh, it was just a different feel. And to be able to do it on an HBCU campus as well, too, was was excellent for me. Um, and, and definitely added another level to this the the um, energy of the the tor- of the event. I don't say tournament, it's an event. It's a showcase. So continue to make this getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely always gonna need the help. Thank you to the fans and everybody who just made this allow this to happen be able to sell tickets because man it was it's been touch and go it's always touch and go so but i think that's all i got for you guys today man i want to thank you all for taking the listen thank you for taking the time please don't forget to subscribe or to add us on your streaming service for for uh spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you stream of course youtube uh youtube.com slash gift time rugby and of course like us on our social medias instagram at rugby swag uh on tiktok at gift time rugby facebook at gift time rugby um and uh, Twitter at Gift Time Rugby. Uh, but until then, definitely check out some of the old episodes if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to them. We got some great conversation. We're going to be bringing back the interviews uh, in this next half. Now I got a little bit more capability of working things through. Um, I don't have a looming event in the front of my mind uh, yet. But thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great one. And I hope you remember. I hope that you're happy. I hope that you're healthy. And most importantly, I hope that you know that you are absolutely, truly highly favored. Don't you ever forget it. Till next time. Cheers.